religious elite standing up uh, proclaiming of Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, even calling out the Jews on that day, uh, you crucified our Lord. Um, you have done this. Repent of your sins. Uh, confess your sins. Believe in Jesus and, um, and be baptized. You will receive the Holy Spirit from on high. And so today we're going to dive in and look at that a little bit. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for where we are on that, when I start to talk about the Holy Spirit, um, Pentecost, the idea of God's presence coming upon us, how many of us in the room, or the presence light coming on us, those how many of us are comfortable when we hear that? Kind of those kind of phrases. Okay, so sorry, that's great. Um, I'm going to ask you to be honest. How much of us are a little uncomfortable? If you're like me, when you started to hear that for the first time, you thought, what is going on? This is crazy. How many of y'all are still kind of a little uncomfortable with that kind of stuff? Okay, a few of us, great. That helps me know where we are. Um, I promise I won't push too hard, won't go too fast. Um, but uh, I, I always like to start off when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Look at the reality that Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, part of the triune God, one of the three persons of the three-part Godhead. And so there's this reality. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll joke that the Trinity is actually pronounced uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we kind of leave... We kind of leave the Holy Spirit off of that triune God. In a sense, we celebrate a two-part God. Uh, we celebrate Father. We've learned of God as uh, Father. And as we said, you know, God is loving Father. God is good. Um, you know, say, turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. God is good. Most of us are probably pretty comfortable with this idea, this idea of God as loving Father. Um, you know, we ask our loving Father about this. He gives us creation. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us all these different things. We're pretty settled on that. And then we start learning about Jesus. We learn about Jesus as our friend. We learn about Jesus as our good shepherd. We learn about the life and righteousness that Jesus lived. We learn about Jesus' sacrifice, his death. We learn about him being faithful even unto death under the cross. Uh, and then we learn about him rising from the dead, God conquering sin and death. Um, with the power of his spirit through his son, returning to earth, uh, 40 days he lives, comes, talks to the disciples about the kingdom, and then uh, ascends. Um, we get comfortable with this idea. Um, Jesus did all these things for us in the past. It's kind of uh, like, okay, that's not so um, scary. We can, we can get comfortable with who he is and what he's doing. As I like to joke, we can kind of nail him down. We've even nailed him to a cross. Um, but the problem is, you know, he gets off and he's alive. And so it's, but, but we can kind of tend to keep Jesus and God, Father God, in a, in a box in that way. We're kind of, where we're comfortable with them. We know what's going on. We know what to expect. Those kinds of things. And then we get to the third person, the Holy Spirit. And we don't have a clue. We can't nail him down. We can't keep him in a box. He's, he doesn't seem like a father to us. He doesn't seem like a son that dies for us. He's, you know, the scripture about him say scary things like the wind blows where it may. And we think, you know, what does that mean? You know, we're not sure what it means, but we know he's unpredictable. We know he's going to do stuff we don't expect. And we know that a lot of times we're not in control. And so uh, in my experience, a lot of times the Holy Spirit freaks us out. It freaks other people out. And so starting to talk about it um, can be kind of difficult, but when we start to look at what the scriptures actually say about the Holy Spirit, um, he's not this kind of left out part of the triune three-part God. 
Um, he's, he's there from the beginning. He's there hovering over the chaos. The Spirit of God hovers over the waters and brought peace out of chaos. We see Holy Spirit throughout uh, the Old Testament e- equipping people with gifts to help them build uh, the very temple of God that they'll use uh, to worship, to house God's presence. We see the Holy Spirit um, coming in the form of gifts, descending on people, uh, illuminating people. We hear King David talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, don't, do not hide your spirit from me. Um, so we see Holy Spirit throughout playing a, a crucial role and being part of this community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this three-in-one God, and, and it's this very lively, active role. So I'd encourage you, don't just let the fact that the Holy Spirit can be sometimes unpredictable or unknown or hard to kind of put in a box scare us. Because um, we know uh, God is good. God is for us. He's not against us. And he wants to lead us into these things. So this morning we're going to dive into that more. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? What is he doing? How do we encounter him? How do we look at that? And I want to highlight this main thing throughout this morning. We can't do the things that God calls us to without his power and his presence through his Holy Spirit. We just can't. The things that God calls us to are not things of us. They are things of him. And that's why when we talk about the mission of the church, we talk about partnering with God. It's not something we're called to do alone. It's not something, an assignment he gives for us to go off and do without him. He says, no, come to me and we'll do this together. And and he doesn't just say that to us individually. He says that to us as a community. So when, when you hear those words of that call, I always want you to think, David, our senior pastor, always likes to use the phrase, the life of faith is not an individual sport, it's a team sport. Um, so I always want you to think of the community you have. And it's not just even you know, our, our close community, be it our family or our small group or our campus ministry or, or New Heights or even our, our overall church. It is the whole body of Christ. So when we hear these calls and invitations from God on our lives, I want us to think of two things always. One, I'm never doing this alone. I'm always doing it with with God and with our community, with the body of Christ. So um, we're going to see that a lot this morning. The call of God in our lives is not something we can do on our own. Uh, We need need God. We need his power. We need his presence. And we need each other. And we're created intentionally for that. So let's dive in and look at this. Um, As we said, the Holy Spirit is present from the beginning in creation. If you start in Genesis, there you see the Spirit hovering over the waters. There's not a time before the Holy Spirit is. It's not like God all of a sudden says, you know what the disciples really need is some help. So, So on Pentecost today, he pours out the Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit's been part of the plan the whole time. Uh, and been partnering with God in, you know, as part of the three-part God through this whole thing. Um, whenever we, we start to look at things, I always like to ground us in what God's overall mission is. Because um, it helps me to think of where God's headed and why he's doing these things. And the best way I know how to say it is, God is loving Father who wants his beloved children with him. So let me say that again. God is loving Father who wants his beloved children with him. And this, in my opinion, is the best way I can sum up God's heart in all things. He wants us back with him. And 
part of what that looks like is redemption. And part of that, we're very comfortable with Jesus. And we know what this looks like in forgiveness through the cross and con- confessing our sins and coming to him and asking Jesus to enter our heart and joining with God through the forgiveness of the son, through the cross, through all these things. But then he doesn't leave it there. He says, no, I want to come and be with you. And it wasn't enough to send his son, Jesus, for this incarnational ministry like Eugene Peterson says, then Jesus moved into the neighborhood and dwelt among us. No, God doesn't want to dwell among us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants this relationship with us. When Jesus is leaving, before he takes off, the long evening he spends with the disciples before he's taken away uh, to be punished and then crucified. In John 17, he prays this prayer to the Father. And it's as if he's he's praying it with the disciples in the room. And it's as if he's speaking to the Father and speaking out loud so we can overhear him. And one of the things he says is, Father, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. It's this depth, it's this unity, it's this connection that Jesus is talking about. And the Trinity has this. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has this connection. They are one. And he's praying that for us. He's saying over his disciples, over us, over the church, he's saying, I pray that they may be one. But what does that look like? It's not just, you know, us trying really hard and forgiving each other and, you know, getting down to brass tacks and working on our, you know, relational issues. You, you know, we need to put in the time, we need to put in the work. But if we're always dependent on ourselves, it's never going to work. And so we see this with Jesus. He's highlighting the importance of the Holy Spirit. The further along we get with Jesus in the Gospels, the more we get the picture of who Jesus is and why he's here. And the more we get of that, the less the disciples understand, the more confused they are. And we see him starting to do this in John 6. He says, if any of you will come after me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then it says a lot of his disciples, his very own disciples leave. And they're confused. You know, you're like, what's going on here? And the, the further we get in the Gospels, the more Jesus reveals to this. And as we get in the latter chapters of John, we're preparing uh, for Jesus' abuse and just punishment and all the things he suffered before the cross. And he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. I mean, it's fascinating to go back and do a red-letter red study of what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He does all these different things. So he's preparing them for who the Holy Spirit is. Because Jesus even says, it is better for you that I go. So I can go to the Father and I will have him pour out the Holy Spirit. Like How radical and crazy is that? Jesus is saying, here I am with you in the flesh, physically present, mentoring you, training you, three years of your life. And he says to the disciples, there's a better thing, there's a better way than me being with you. And I like to think that part of what he's doing is his mission of the cross and redemption and atonement and God conquering sin and death. And part of what he's talking about also is his his physical limitations. You know, Jesus has to say yes to some things and no to others. But when God pours out his spirit on all flesh, things shift. And he's not just in and amongst us, moved into the neighborhood. You know, I saw some folks this morning come in and say, hey, neighbor, we live near you. But there's a difference with the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to come and make my dwelling within you. He says, you are now going to be the temple of the living God, the Holy Spirit. And it's this shift from I'm going to be amongst you and I'm going to teach you and I'm going to tell you things. I'm going to show you things to I am actually going to physically dwell within you. 
my very presence spiritually will rest within you and things will radically change and never be the same. And oh yeah, he reminds the disciples, this is necessary. He tells them before he goes, he says, wait here, do not leave Jerusalem. As I like to say, you are not even fit for ministry. Don't go. You can't do the things that I've called you to until you receive the Holy Spirit from on high. Jesus is telling the disciples, this is a requirement. And I think that word for the disciples that morning is not just for the disciples. I think that word is for us as well. Jesus is saying to us, you can't live into the things that I've called you to until you receive my power and my presence. This high call of God is impossible without his power and his presence through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus reminds his disciples of that. And in my opinion, he reminds us of that every day through that scripture. So what does that look like for us? Well, there's this reality in Pentecost where we see a pre and a post with the disciples the scriptures, the Old Testaments have foretold of this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. Peter even quotes the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your young men will dream dreams and your old men will see visions. And he talks and he talks about prophesying and all these things that will come and happen. And then Peter gets up after this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and says, this has come today. This is happening. These are the days that have been foretold of. And there's this shift in the cosmos, uh, just, just the fabric of the universe. There's this shift where God has now poured out his spirit. And you can see, as Peter recognizes in Acts 2, we are di- in a different era. We are after the cross, and we, in a, we are in a Pentecost era where God has poured out his spirit in new ways. And we see radically new things start to happen. We see the disciples beginning to heal people and perform miracles and live into this high call that Jesus has given them. I mean, months, months before, they're denying Jesus, they're falling away, they're doing these things. And now, standing up, living into the call, performing miracles. There is a shift, there is a reality difference in a pre- and post-Pentecost world. And this is a call for us too. This is an invitation that God gives to us where he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In Luke eleven thirteen, he says, your father gives you good gifts. He talks to the stone and the egg. Who of you who asked for a good gift, you know, his father will give him a snake. No, your father gives you good gifts. He's good. He loves you. He will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. So part of it is just coming to him and asking him. So there's this shift, this, this pre- and post-Pentecost world. And we live on this side of the cross and in, in a Pentecost era where we have access through the Son to the Spirit, through the Spirit to the Father. It's this wonderful reality of how God has done these things in sacrifice for us to equip us to live into this kingdom call that he's given us. So what are some of the things that the Holy Spirit does He's so important to his call. Let's look at some of the things that Scripture talks about in his role. If we can bring those up. I made a list of some of the stuff. These are from different Scriptures. It talks about the roles of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit as comforter, as helper, as advocate, as spirit of truth. Holy Spirit as power and fire. Holy Spirit as helping write the Scriptures. Holy Spirit convicting people of sin as a deposit and seal and assurance of God's promise. So you can see, you know, many things that the Spirit does. 
Holy Spirit as indweller of us, as followers of, of God through Christ, as, as intercessor. He intercedes for us. Uh, some, I've talked with some of you prayer people in here about listening in on the prayers that God is saying over us. Holy Spirit as a revealer of truth. Holy Spirit as God himself. Holy Spirit as life, as teacher, as a witness. You can see all these different roles. Okay, that's great. Of the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives. And you can imagine some of the things that God calls us to where we need that type of input. And trying to do the things that God calls us to without these things. I have a friend that tells a story comparing it to the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, whenever I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of cleaning my bathroom at home. I thought, okay, I'll bite. What the heck does the Holy Spirit have to do with cleaning your bathroom? He said, well... One time I really wanted to bless my wife, so I said to her, Honey, I will do any chore you want me to. Give me the chore you hate the most, and I will do that for you because I want to bless and honor you. And she says, All right, I'd love for you to clean the bathrooms. And he thinks, Oh, the bathrooms. I hate cleaning the bathrooms. He talks about how the guest bathroom hadn't been cleaned in a while, and it developed a ring around the tub as they get. And so he gets all excited and gets worked up, and his wife goes out that morning to see friends. And so he thinks, all right, I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to actually do what I've said and do what she's asked. And when she comes home, she's going to see this great clean bathroom. So he cleans the sink and cleans the toilet and it's starting to look good. And he leaves the tub to the end and gets to the tub, and he thinks, oh, my gosh, this is going to take so much work. And he tries to scrub it, and it doesn't come off. So he thinks, I'm really going to have to work hard. So he gets, he goes and gets like a really tough brush from the shop and he goes in and he's leaning over the edge of the tub so he's got the tub right here and he's scrubbing on the inside and it's summertime and he's hot and he's like a quarter of the way done and he's just drenched in sweat and his wife comes home she says honey i'm home he doesn't answer he comes out in the back room bathroom and here he is leaned over scrubbing the tub and he's only a quarter of the way done she says what in the world are you doing and he says, I'm cleaning the bathroom, just like you said. And she said, come with me. And she goes under the sink, and she gets the Clorox, and she hoses down the tub, and she sprinkles the Clorox. She said, come with me to the living room. And she sits down, and she pours in a glass of lemonade, and she says, let me tell you about my day. And she talks to him for about 15 minutes, and then takes him back to the tub and says, give me that scrub, and just cleanly wipes away the ring. And he's amazed. He says, oh, my gosh. She says, Honey, do not try and clean the tub on your own. Just use the cleaner. That's what the cleaner's there for. He says, oh. Okay, so the next time he cleans the bathroom, he says it takes him like 15 minutes. He's done with the whole thing. He goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, the things that God calls us to are impossible for us. They just can't be done. And certainly not with our power. Paul talks about this. He says, we are like broken jars of clay. And our brokenness helps reveal the glory of God that is within us. These things that God calls us to are amazing. They're wonderful. They transform the world. But they're nothing that we can do on our own. God bids us come to him and die and then have life through him. We've got to give up ourself and we've got to give up our need and our desire and our futile attempts to do things on our own. And one of the most powerful ways that we do that is by heeding this call that Jesus has for us. Wait where you are before you go out. Receive the Holy Spirit, the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Receive that.
the presence of God that dwells in your life. Make yourself as a temple to the Holy Spirit, to the living God, because of his presence. David likes to say, all the things we do in life should be as a response unto God. And so when God calls us to things, I like to then turn around and ask him for the equipping or the ability to do those things. So when God says, I call you to love your neighbor, I say, great. Give me a heart for that neighbor. Give me eyes to see that neighbor as you see them. Give me a spirit that overflows with joy and delight in who you have made them to be. And then we're turning and asking the Lord to give him all to give us all that we need to do all that he's called us to do. And so much of that, so much of that comes to the Holy Spirit. Before we wrap up, uh, we're going to have the band come back up. We're going to pray over you. But I want to tie something together with the Holy Spirit and identity. A lot of times on campus we talk about identity and sonship. The reality that we are beloved children of God. And there's a key part for the Holy Spirit in that. Paul says it is his spirit that testifies to our spirit that we are beloved children of God. And there's some theologians that we read that study in this kind of approach and look at this a lot. And one of the things they find is really interesting is that whole groups of the church that don't really emphasize the spirit will have a really hard time understanding this idea as our identity as beloved children because it is such a vital role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if y'all are comfortable, I'd ask you just to lay your hand on your heart. We're just going to pray for that mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I'd encourage you that this, for a lot of us, can be a, a before and after, like a first time for this kind of thing. But, but that God invites us for this to be a daily refilling. A friend of mine calls it, would you like a top off of the Holy Spirit? Let me fill your cup. So let's just bow our heads as the band starts to play. We're just going to pray for the Lord to come. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. Lord, that you dwell within us. And Father, we thank you that you come to us and you say, Yes, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. So Lord, we pray that we'd open our hearts to you in new ways today. Lord, that you would come and fill us. Lord, that you would fill us with your presence and your grace and your power. Lord, that you would equip us for the things you have called us to. And Father, in those sensitive places, in those places that we are a little nervous of inviting you in, Lord, we thank you that you are patient with us. Lord, that you will patiently stand at the door and knock and that you allow us to open that door. So Father, I pray that you would transform us, that you would open our eyes to see you moving in the midst of us, to hear you speaking to us, to know we are yours and know where you are calling us. Lord, we cannot do these things without you. So we say yes to your presence. We say yes to your power. We say yes to your calling. And we invite you in. There'll be prayer ministers in the back if you'd like more of that kind of prayer. I'd encourage you to ask your neighbor if you have questions on that. Um, This is something that really changes the life of the church. And my experience has changed uh, our church in that way as well. So if you have questions on that, I invite you to come forward uh, for prayer in the back. Thanks so much. Let's, uh, Let's worship God and thank him in this space.